This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction. This is your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world, along with tips and strategies for maximizing your career in tech. We also bring you interviews with the leading women in the tech industry, talk to youth who are rapidly building their tech knowledge, and review business solutions that will give you insights on how technology is solving business problems. Now, here's your host, Jennifer Didier. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on Tech in the Right Direction. I'm your host, Jennifer Didier, President and CEO of Directions Training. Each week, we talk with industry experts about technology trends that are emerging and changing businesses today, the career journey of IT professionals, understanding the world of women in tech, as well as talking to our youth that are rapidly building their technology skill sets. We also review case studies that provide insight into how technology is solving business and world problems. I'm excited about our guest today, so let's get moving in the right direction. This week in our Tech Trends segment, I will be talking with Jim McLennan. Jim is a Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at IDEX Corporation, an applied solutions business that sells highly engineered products to customers in a variety of markets worldwide. McLennan has responsibility for corporate IT service offerings for the IDEX portfolio of business units and drives innovative thinking through strategic initiatives that leverages information and technology as growth drivers for the industrial manufacturing space. McLennan has over 25 years of experience in a variety of business models and markets, translating strategic drivers into tactical plans and tangible results. His career spans multiple industries, including real estate, property management, building construction, maintenance services, pharmaceuticals, consumer durables, industrial manufacturing, and consumer packaged goods. McLennan started his career as a software development consulting firm, which gives him a unique insight to vendor relationships and a role of information and technology in creating value. McLennan has a Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical Engineering from the University of Notre Dame and an MBA in Marketing from DePaul University. He regularly publishes his observations and insights on the intersection of business and technology. Thank you for being on our show, Jim. No problem. I'm glad to be here. Great. So let's get started. Um, can you share a little bit about your path in technology and your career? Sure. The the I I would consider it a somewhat non-traditional path. Well, at least it started off non-traditionally, and and I'm ending up at least where I'm at right now. I'm I'm, I'm sort of non-traditional. My first job was with a very small company. Um, there were you know less than thirty of us. Uh, and you know nowadays you'd call it a startup, but back then it was just a little software company. But I was not in corporate IT. I was uh, one of those uh, folks that actually created software for sale, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's a really different grounding than most I think corporate folks have. 
because you understand, you know, what it means to create something and, and, and solve a customer's problem or else they won't pay you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, but then I flipped into traditional um, corporate type roles, and I've had those for a long time, ending up now as a CIO, uh, uh, but in a relatively untraditional role because uh, we're decentralized and it allows me to change the conversation that you know uh, um, corporate IT can have with our business units because we give so much ownership of day-to-day IT uh, to, the, to the business units that are closer to our customers. So it's a really uh, a different uh, path, I think, than most folks through the normal corporate flow. Great. Well, great um, path that you've had in technology. What are some of the trends that you're seeing today? You know, I think the biggest trend I see is, is it's a, it kind of sounds um, uh, corny, but it's a generational shift. There's a, there's a shift in the generational makeup of the workforce and and that's happened that's been there all the time but really the incoming generation has very different expectations of the technology and the the, the nature of uh, the, their digital world they have much much higher expectations than their predecessors and uh, that puts a lot of demand on folks uh, sitting here trying to make that transition and quite frankly the folks that are have been around for a while that have built up these processes, built up these companies that are not as rigorous around their data, they're just not ready for it. They're, it's not really baked in their psyche that they have to be that specific and that um, tight with how uh, the, the data is all tied together. And, and I think that's a very interesting trend. It's changing the demand, but it's also really putting the suppliers of information uh, back on their heels. Yeah, that is so interesting. Very, very fascinating. So, you know, many of the job roles that we have today didn't exist a few years ago. And, you know, you keep hearing about the huge gap in skill set in the market today. Um, So what can we do as an industry to bridge that gap to really bring um, more education for these new job roles? You know, I work for an international company, and I have a lot of exposure to um, folks in Europe, and they have this this uh, internships, uh, or, or uh, that's not the word. Uh, what's the word when you have a, a, a junior person trying to, to learn the ropes? Yeah, similar to internship, I guess. Yeah, but what's the name? It's an apprentice. Ah, apprentice, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, so um, but yeah. The, the folks in, in England, they, they had set up, uh, one of my business units in England, they had set up an apprenticeship program for some incoming IT folks. And I thought that was brilliant, um, really transitioning folks out of school into, um, or you say out of middle school or high school, into the professional uh, world like you might have done a blacksmith or a, or a, or a machinist back in the day. And uh, I think I do think that there's a change in the way that official school learning is uh, um, is really driving what's needed in, in business. I mean, technology and the demands are changing way too fast for most schools to keep up. And that's why you see the rise of the uh, um, online degrees and, and very specific courses that you can take. Instead of going for a degree, just go for a specific course to find out what you need. Mm-hmm. So I think that different sourcing is something uh, that's um, uh, that we should really get into and, and, and sponsor. I do think... Uh, um, 
I think there's a chance for tax breaks or <clears throat> other sort of investment stimulus to uh, to help really make this uh, uh, take off. Uh, just just sort of hoping that the schools change or hoping that the uh, uh, learning resources get there. That doesn't seem to be quite enough. I right. really like the apprenticeship program. That was so cool. You know, I love I love the apprenticeship program. Not only from a learning standpoint, you know, you can get book smart and you can go through the courses, but you can also get street smart and learn, like you said, learn the ropes. You know, you really actually learn by doing and that makes such a big difference real world experience is priceless i mean there's there's nothing like that you can be book smart if you're not street smart um you're not able to you know create value for the organization yeah and i if i had to pick a, a skill set that was um the toughest to get and the the biggest in demand and that would be emotional intelligence and really yes. sort of understanding how real people interact with these systems and processes that you're talking about and an apprenticeship and following somebody around and, 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 you know, sort of getting into as much as you, uh, as much as you can getting into how people interact with the stuff that you do. Uh, that's stuff that you just can't get uh, online and you just can't get in most schools. It's really tough. Uh, and that would, that, if, if that came out in the, uh, um, uh, apprenticeships too, that would be gold. Yes. No, that's that's true. We, we we do a lot of training programs. We focus on certification for IT pros. And what we find is that real world experience combined with, you know, their certification makes them so valuable. So as we're talking about training and certification, um, what do you see from your perspective as a CIO? What's the value of training and certification in the industry today? Funny, I don't know if you're gonna like this or not. My, That's I, I okay. Think training is high. I think ongoing training and regular training, <clears throat> very specifically trying to learn new things and getting some hands-on stuff. That's really important. Uh, but I guess I'm a child of the '90s or early 2000s, where I'm not necessarily a big fan of certifications. I'm not going to um, uh, put a certification, for example, on, on a job requirement. Mm -hmm. It just Seems like most of the technology changes too fast, and there's a there's you know, certification in, in design and programming and data, maybe databases and things, um, but but that technology changes very fast, and so certifications are kind of pointless after a while. That's then, really a good insight because especially with the cloud, with things changing on a daily basis, you can get a certification a year ago and it would be obsolete in six months. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is some of the folks I know that that are uh, have a lot of certifications are, are justifiably brilliant, and I wouldn't say that somebody with a lot of certifications is not um, somebody I'd be interested in in, in working with. Um, the the I just wouldn't put it as a requirement. I think though that the really heavy duty hardware stuff, the cloud and and data uh, data centers and stuff are really concentrating the number of uh, workers required to architect that stuff and run those things. And, and so you just get a natural concentration of uh, high levels, levels of certification and network plumbing and things like that. Um, uh, yeah, I know some of you is the, the, one of the you know, most highly certified Cisco engineers in the entire world and he's a great guy and stuff and, and really awesome. I would never really put that on the job or a set of requirements. So if, if you don't, put that as a job requirement, then how do you 
vet their skill set because a lot of times certification gives you that industry stamp that says you know you know this material. So how do you, when you're hiring on your team, what are some of the things you think about in vetting uh, skills? I suppose it, uh, um, it it's related to the type of experience. Um, when I when it's um, in, in my mind, when it's programming and software development, if it is even database architecture, I'm going to look at uh, past projects and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's network plumbing and things, that stuff that's highly engineered and it's not as fluid as the changes in software architecture, yeah, I might I might go for a, a, a certification. But again, as more of a differentiator and not necessarily as a, um, as a requirement. Uh, I think that, that, of course, that begs the question, if you don't have um, the experience, how do you get the job without the certification? Then again, it's like you could spend eight to twelve months getting each certification, or you could just go get a job. Right. Uh, you know, I know it's a chicken in the eye. I know it's a, a sort of a, a vicious little circle there, uh, but you got to sort of break through and find ways to to generate um, real hands-on. And again, to be fair, it's much easier to do that in uh, database architectures and information design and coding than it is to do it in infrastructure because. I can go to the cloud, as you say, and spin up a brand new uh, database on my own for nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I can't really go and, and you know crack off half a million dollars worth of equipment and wire it up together in my in my garage for fun. That's difficult. Yeah, great perspective. Great perspective. Um, so you know, technology is so dynamic and changing so rapidly. I don't think a few years I would be able, a few years ago, I would be able to predict where it is now yeah. um, with machine learning and AI and you know IoT with all our devices being hooked together and you know having a doorbell that can show you who's at the front door and you know your refrigerator telling you that w- where your inventory is low. I mean, it's just amazing. So where where do you see technology going in the next five to ten years? And I know that's a long, long time to even imagine. But what are some of your thoughts or your vision? Well, I think well, first off, I don't think you could ever really limit your your expectations. Um, even five years out, you absolutely can shoot for the moon. Um, we we like like ten years ago. You try to think back. What were smartphones like back then? I think they were still, you know, Blackberries and flip phones and things mm-hmm. like that. Now they're just eons different than we ever thought they would mm-hmm. be. Really changed the nature of what you do with a handheld computer because that's really what it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 connected to the internet 24 by 7. And and look at things like uh, um, automation or the internet of things and artificial intelligence. Only five years ago, Five years ago, very, very traditional manufacturing firms were saying, ah, it's miles away, it's years away, it's eons away. And and now people are truly seeing that this stuff is real and it is changing things. We also thought five years ago that there would be 20 billion connected devices by 2020. I don't know that we're going to necessarily hit that, but um, the nature of what we're doing with the data has changed. And then there's a lot of unexpected things that come through. I mean, you know, the... The the, the, the the impact of really you know privacy and and, and mm-hmm. watching where all the data is going and how it's being used and things I think that the things that have changed in the past three years have been completely unexpected so 
if when I see tech in five or ten years, uh, I always when I do those thought processes, I always look at what futurists or pe people are saying and saying allow that to take my mind in interesting places. Really don't limit what I'm thinking, uh, but also don't think it's going to be you know sort. Of, I don't think there's going to be um, robots, for example, uh, taking you know 50% of our jobs in the next five years. Right. I don't. I think it'll be a, a significant impact. Um, electric cars, that's another one. Wow, mm -hmm. the world thought they'd be a lot farther than they are now, and there was a huge sort of speed up about three or four years ago, and it's really calmed down because the mm -hmm. you know unintended consequences and unexpected sure. problems. So, uh, um, um, yeah, I, I just know it's going to be, um, you know, keep our expectations high because the capabilities of the technology will, will keep on going very quickly. Yeah, I completely agree, and it's just hard to imagine what it's going to be, but, you know, uh, the sky's the limit. I mean, you just, you, you can't even imagine what's going to happen in the next five to ten years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit about this um, with technology and all our devices competing for our attention, distracting us constantly. Um, what are some of the things that you do to create balance? Wow, I actually meditate now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> cool. I think it's it's really just the idea of and it is is really being thoughtful and having a very clear purpose on what you're trying to do at any one time. Um, you know, we're used to. And I was thinking about this. You know, we're very used to back in the day. We're used to losing ourselves in our work, right? I would really get focused on you know building that you know wood structure or or you know beating out that metal or, or working that. Um, you know, physical device, and you really have to focus on the tasks and the actions of what it takes to make your work happen. Really lose yourself in our work. Now, we've applied technology to um, uh, automate some of those things, automate our communications and automate our learning and automate our, our lifting heavy things and automating our work out of our minds. And we seem to be losing ourselves in our robots. We're not you know, why did we do this in the first place? So we could think about art and science? No, we're actually getting more and more into the, the, the robots that are here to help us type thing. I would really think that a, a great thing we need to do is now that the automation has given us the ability to do other things, don't take all of that time to do more work stuff. Turn around and go, look at this. I'm looking at the window right now. It's a beautiful sunny day. Why am I in this uh, conversation? I could be outside enjoying that weather. <laughs> Um, and I think that, yeah, we should spend less time losing ourselves in our robots and more in, in losing ourselves in other things. That's that's great perspective. Um, I, I still remember, like, some of the things that, you know, we used to do, like gardening or, like you said, building things. You, you, you literally can lose yourself in there and you're not distracted. You're just focusing on that one thing. When I work in the garden... That's exactly how I feel. I kind of all my thoughts are gone. I'm just focused on what I'm doing. But yeah. you know, now that's kind of gone because even then you've got something distracting you, or the phone is ringing, or you get a text, or you get you know, <laughs> it's crazy. So very true. Now, um, you know, learning is different today. Like you said, you know, this this new generation, the way they learn. 
um, is very different than how we learned years ago. What yeah. are you seeing? Um, what What are the differences that you're seeing? And, you know, the one, when I thought about this question, I was thinking, you know, because it, it's written, how are IT professionals learning today? And I'm thinking mm-hmm. of that being a combination of people that have been in the workforce for a while as opposed to people coming right out. Mm-hmm. And and um, to me, it splits into two different things. One, there's a lot of people that are learning by listening and reading and sort of researching. And yeah, you can learn a lot of interesting things and there's some value to that, but there's a whole other set of people that are learning by doing mm-hmm. and you know, writing things or creating things and building things. It's like back in your, um, your, your gardening story, you're involved in the dirt and you're pulling them weeds and you're chopping that wood and the act of doing is changing your relationship with the garden and you're changing mm-hmm. your relationship with the physicality of everything. And and the, if you're writing code or building applications or writing reports or, or manipulating data uh, and learning about how this great concept of, of, you know, supply chain planning or pricing optimization or things like that, how that really works as opposed to just reading about it, you're you're really developing a different relationship with the with the facts and and the skills, and I think that people that are learning by doing are going to be the winners, and I think that the people that are learning by listening and reading they're just parroting what other people are saying. There is value to it. Don't get me wrong, uh, but uh, I think the stuff that's really going to stick is going to be the stuff that you got your uh, your uh, um, hands dirty on. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, learning by doing is really how we learn. I mean, it's just, it really sinks in. You can read, you know about it, you can be, you know, um, informed about it, but unless you apply those skills, applying those skills are so important to really feel that, that you've learned something. So I would say say that it's, it's also a mix because the people that just get lost in what they do don't often find ways to do something new and different. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be a nice mix between the two. If you're not out there aggressively listening and learning and, and you know, reading and, and sort of finding out what's new and different, you'll never be able to improve. Um, because the only alternative is you come up with all these brand new inf- uh, inventions yourself. Highly unlikely. So it's got to be a little bit of a mix there. Uh, but if I had a, a you know, 70-30 or 60-40, I, I'd say absolutely learn by doing, but keep uh, uh, learning and, I mean, keep listening and reading about what else is going on. Know what's going on in your field and be open to doing things differently. Yeah, great advice. Um, so, you know, if somebody is new to IT and they want to start a IT profession today, what advice would you give them? Uh my my best advice is do some side projects, do some stuff on the side, you know, go go on the web and sign up for all these great classes and start building things and and start playing with the things. It's amazing what you can get access to for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just all out there and and it's amazing what you can learn online. I made myself take a uh, um, an artificial intelligence class. It was just intro. Mm-hmm. It turned out to be a demo for this uh, platform that was given this thing. But it was probably about uh, 16 to 20 hours where I was doing labs, really basic baby AI labs, 
I did not become a data scientist in 20 hours, <laughs> but I absolutely learned how the mechanics of it work mm-hmm. and what's the kind of data you need to do AI projects and what are the kind of questions you can ask and answers you can get. And and that was just from a um, uh, an online free online class, and that was great because it really prepared me for for some some interesting conversations. Mm-hmm. So so do some side projects, do some hands on. That's what nights and weekends are for. And then also um, don't just stick with the technology. If there's a way to get some uh, exposure and training and and experience in design and uh, communications because that I think will always be a huge differentiator. Being able to have an idea is one thing. Being able to pass that idea along to the next person and to many people is really different. Very, very good advice. Um, Yeah, you need not only the technology skills, but the soft skills or the business skills to go with it. So like you said, communication is a critical piece of that. Well, Jim, thank you, thank you for your time. This was such a pleasure having you on our show. We appreciate it and hope to have you again. Thank you. Uh, Excellent. I had a great time and I'm happy to do this again. Great. Thank you. All right. Stay tuned for another exciting interview just around the corner. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it in-person, virtual, on-demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Welcome back to Tech in the Right Direction. This week in our Women in Tech segment, I will be talking with Christine Bongard. Christine is the president of the WIT Network and a strong advocate for advancing women in technology and leadership. She's responsible for driving the mission of the WIT Network and leading this global community consisting of 80 chapters in 30 countries. She has been actively involved as a leader for women in technology for four years and was recently honored with the WIT Community Champion Award by Microsoft. Christine was born to run. As a Jersey girl, she never misses an opportunity to spend time at the beach in her spare time. She has a love for travel and is in pursuit of completing a visit to all 50 states. So she only has five left to go. Christine adopts retired racing greyhounds and currently has two lovable pets, Fleetfoot and Leo, who also keep her on the run. So welcome to the show, Christine. It's so happy. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here and and talk about exciting things happening for women in tech. Love that. So can you share with us a little bit about your organization, its mission, vision, and goals? Sure, I'd be happy to. 
So we are the WIT Network. We're a community of about 2,500 people around the world. We're in 80 communities in 30 to 40 countries. And uh, so we really uh, love having this global footprint, working with women all around the world to uh, help advance women in their careers, uh, also to prevent uh, so many women are, are actually leaving jobs in the technology industry right now. So we're trying to help influence them to stay in the industry. We're all about inspiring young women and young girls to be interested in careers in the technology industry. And we're also about um, trying to inspire and encourage women, more women to become entrepreneurs. So that's a little bit about what we're, we're, we're out here to do. We do all of this stuff through education and networking. We have a two-pronged approach. People who join the WIT network, um, we have an online presence where we have all of our webinars. We have programs on sales training, leadership training, diversity and inclusion. Uh, we have um, also uh, career journey, story storytelling, um, women who you know can, can give great advice about navigating your path in a career in technology. And then we also have a local, uh, you know, you can participate in your local communities and that's really great for networking, expanding your circles, as well as education through programs that the local communities are putting on. So we're really excited about it because it's a very robust program allowing people to participate you know, either in person or through the online experience and both. Wow. What a, what a great organization and the mission and vision and the goals that you've set are just so relevant in this time in our technology industry. So really excited to hear more and, um, you know, have have our audiences contribute to helping your mission and vision. That's great. That's awesome. Um, so what do you love most about leading a tech organization? Well, I, I do love it. Um, I love the fast paced uh, environment. I, I thrive in that. I love how everything is always changing and evolving. I feel like it really challenges us as business owners to accept change and learn how to adapt and grow. You know, you have to constantly be thinking about, you know, how to change your business to uh, be more successful as the market changes, as technology changes, as the workforce changes. And uh, so I love all of that. And I also love how the tech industry is like a big family to me now. It's like a big extended family. I guess that's you know, you could say that's one of the advantages of being mid-career, um, but, you know, it really is as big as it is. It's also uh, very small. And I love following what all my people in my network are doing through uh, LinkedIn and, uh, you know, just constantly running into people. And as people make changes in their own career, uh, you're, you know, we're just constantly bumping into one another. And I just I really love that. I feel at home in the tech industry. 
That's awesome. I can hear the passion that you have for both women in technology as well as just the technology industry as a whole. Um, you know, it can be challenging for a lot of people, all the changes and the dynamic nature of technology just uh, growing every day. But it really keeps us on our toes, doesn't it? Because it just makes makes us just always be uh, thinking ahead, always be learning, always growing. So it is very exciting. I feel the same thing. Yes. Um, so you mentioned um, in your intro that there were a lot of women that are leaving the technology industry. So do you notice a lack of women in technology? And why do you think that's the case? And how do we get more women? I know there's a lot of questions in here, but how do we get more <laughs> women into the technology field? Yeah, so I definitely notice a lack of women. I mean, I have from the very beginning of my career, um, I would say it has only marginally improved um, over the past, you know, three to five years. Um, I think there are a bunch of problems contributing. I mean, first of all, young girls do not want to be coders. That is the new feedback we're hearing from these young girls. You know, moms will say, hey, what do you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And what are you interested in? And they'll say, you know, doctor, astronaut, you know, lawyer. And well, what about, you know, getting into technology and their their responses are, I don't want to, you know, do this. And then they, you know, they tap out, they make it look like they're tapping on a keyboard. And so we have sort of, you know, pigeonholed, you know, the idea that to be a woman in technology means that you have to be a programmer. And yes, that is such a critical component. It's actually a very exciting component of being in the tech industry, but there is so much more to it. And um, most of the women that I know in technology are not programmers. And so how do we get that, you know, message out to them? So that's part of it. Another part of it is that, um, you know, as they advance, maybe they do get into it when they're, you know, they start taking some classes, they love it. And then as they get progress and get older, they start dropping out. And why is that? Well, because they're, they're, they're soon to be left as the only girl in the class. And so when they're younger, they don't like it because socially they're, they don't feel, you know, accepted or they want to be where their friends are at. And then when they get into university level, it now becomes a safety issue. They're in some of these classes at night. Um, they're the only woman. They don't, you know, they don't feel safe leaving the class. Um, and I'm hearing all different things I would have never thought about that actually have nothing to do with their love for technology. There are these outside influences. And so, you know, how do we work with the schools to from from elementary all the way to college, you know, to try to address some of that stuff? Um, the other the other part of it is that women leave jobs in IT because they are overlooked for promotions. They're overlooked for bonuses. Um, many work environments are just not set up to be welcoming to women, to help women advance and be treated fairly. And so I think, you know, what can we do about that? Well, we can kind of try to help that by getting out there, speaking to our management, speaking to the owners of our companies, having some frank conversations, um, you know, trying to help them understand how these current environments are, are preventing women from advancing or not, you know, making women feel not supported and the whole idea of inclusion Right. It's it's all about, OK, you know, you can say, oh, I have, you know, 30 percent of my workforce is women. 
40% of my workforce is women. Okay, great. But what, what's the inclusion strategy for your business now? Right. Right. And that comes down to a lot of stuff that people, you know, just don't think about where everybody leaves. This is going to sound silly, but everybody leaves dishes in the kitchen and they just expect, you know, the women, the woman to clean it up or the woman always is the one who cleans it up. Right. Yeah. It doesn't sound silly. It's, it's pretty common out the refrigerator. Uh, the woman refills the ice cube trays. You have all of that. And then, you know, you have the work stuff where you have, you'll have a man and a woman with similar, um, backgrounds, experience, education, and, um, the men will always, you know, push and, and promote themselves, uh, and the women, you know, will be will be a little less confident and say, well, I, I maybe I'm, I don't have that 100%, so I'm not going to apply for it. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go for that. And so that's something that the, we can all do. We can inspire each other and coach each other to have more confidence and to, you know, push for those things that just seem a little bit more out of reach. So your question was a big one because I think there's just so many things that that are impacting this. And um, I think if we each take one item and we try to help make a little bit of change in that one area, you know, eventually, uh, you know, the changes will start to fall into place. I really can't agree with you more. It is just, um, there's so many facets to, you know, women feeling like they can't get ahead in this technology world. And some of it we can take care of by motivating, mentoring, uh, providing them with confidence. Others, like you said, we have to build that pipeline of girls to get them interested in technology. And technology has so many different um, job roles, right? It's not just the coder. Uh, Everybody thinks that you have to be coding or sitting behind a computer eight hours a day in order to be in technology. And we have so many uh, different job roles that women really can accelerate at, you know, and collaborate um, and really be amazing leaders in those areas because we have skill sets that maybe our male counterparts don't. So, you know, really, really great points on all the different areas that we could start to influence to make change. Yes. So as a woman yourself in technology, I know you've been in technology for many years. Um, Tell us about your experience. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I I have a lot of the, you know, unfortunate um, stories early on of, you know, not not being treated great, uh, being the only woman in the room. Um, you know, trying to sell to a boardroom full of men and, you know, intimidation, um, rudeness, you know, overlooked. Um, a lot of times, you know, I would do all the work on a project and be in, be in the room and, and the person, you know, the, the customer or the partner would, would always look at my male counterpart part as if he were doing all the work or he were mm-hmm. directing things and he were running things. And, I know this happens to, it still happens, you know, a lot of time to women and you're sitting there like, wait a minute, I did all of this, you know? Right, right. I'm here. Do you, you not you know, see me? <laughs> because many times women are more, you know, humble about it or, you know, not bragger, you know, you don't want to go, oh, no, no, I did all, you know, you don't want to call that out. Sometimes that's really very awkward, but mm-hmm. it just creates for a very uncomfortable um, experience. So I definitely... You know, I have all of those experiences and 
I just use them to fuel me to do what I'm doing now, you know, which is, and I think a big part of this is the storytelling, like, because a lot of men will reach out to me and they'll say, what can I do? Like, I know this is a problem. I understand there are things happening that are not great. Like, how do I help? And, um, you know, I think for, for, for me, a lot of it has been just doing some storytelling um, pointing things out because from a man's point of view, they, they may not see a lot of that in the same way that we see it. You know, they may not realize some of these things are, you know, are still happening. And the more that they become, they, they seek to understand it, then they can help make change. And women are not going to change this on our own. You know, we have to do this together with the men in our lives, our husbands, our partners, our brothers, our neighbors, our bosses, our colleagues, you know, this is a, everybody on board, you know, to kind of help this. And so I think a lot of helping them to understand will, will bring them on board to, to help us make those changes. Yeah. I think you hit the nail right on the head. You know, we need our male counterparts to support us, to lift us, to work together with us, to get to an equal status because you know we have some qualities that are so amazing in the business world so do the our male counter, counterparts so together we can make some uh huge huge uh successes happen within organizations so working together is so critical That's um right. so you know what do you think is the best part of being a woman in technology today well, despite all of this, right, being in, uh, you know, being in a position where we're, we're fighting to make so many changes, I do feel inspired by being part of a mission that I know is going to make the future better for women in technology. And that, that excites me and it keeps me going. Um, and so I think a lot of people want to help and they they feel the same way and so that that part of it is very exciting for me i think it's just a great time um you know the whole time's up and you know all of that it's like this is a movement now we're going to look back 10 years from now and say wow we were like right there in the middle of all of it and so so that's exciting to me and then also i do feel that career-wise this is a great time to be a woman in technology because changes are happening Companies are opening up. Companies are changing policies to, you know, put in more fairness for not just women, but all diverse groups. And so I think, you know, if you're here now, like this is great because there are going to be more, you know, more opportunities um, in this industry for women. So I, I do think it is a good time to to be involved. It is an exciting time. And, and you're absolutely right. The diversity and inclusion initiatives with all of the uh, corporate corp corporations out there is he, that's a huge focus. I mean, so women are getting attention, not just women, but, you know, uh, all minorities, all groups of people are getting attention because there is focus put on that. So that will only help us. I yeah. have to say, Christine, you are just um, the movement that you're creating the inspiration that you're providing, not only to just women going into tech, but women entrepreneurs and also girls moving into tech is so, so important. And um, it is just, you know, so needed. So thank yeah. you for all that effort that you put in yeah. every day to make a difference. And I know it is making a difference every day. Great, good, I'm glad you feel that way. Thank so, you. Um, so if, what advice would you give a woman today considering a, a job in the technology industry? 
or maybe would, even a career. Yeah, I would say go for it. Be bold. Ask for what you want. Dream out loud. Have confidence. Fake it till you make it. There you go. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. We need to build our confidence. We need to support each other and lift each other up, right? That's right. That's, That's right. great. Well, thank you. How can listeners learn more about your organization? Oh, sure. Well, we are located uh, on the web at thewitnetwork.com. That's uh, T-H-E-W-I-T-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com. Uh, and we also have a Twitter account, which is at the Wit Network. And we have a LinkedIn uh, group, which everybody is uh, invited to join, as well as a corporate page that people can follow for all of our updates. We really feel it's a, it's a very exciting uh, time for us, and we look forward to welcoming more people to the WIT Network. Great. Our listeners definitely should um, sign on to the WIT Network and get more information. Thank you, Christine. It was such You're a welcome. pleasure speaking Thank with you. Thank you, Jennifer. Good Thank luck. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And now, an exclusive offer for our listeners. From IT skill enhancements to end-user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast.